Welcome back, everybody, to Talking Stocks. Joe and Todd with you here, as always. Todd, good to see you once again. You too, Joe. Yeah. So we've got uh, we've got a few different things to talk about this week, but I wanna I wanna get started talking about uh, Bitcoin and specifically Tesla's new kind of venture into Bitcoin. Um, I realized I don't think we've ever talked about any crypto on this podcast before. First time for everything. Yeah. First time. Yeah. Although we are talking stocks and not talking crypto, but you know, we'll, we'll cover it because it's, it's important for Tesla. So yeah. Why don't you, why don't you fill us in on kind of what, uh, what happened with uh, Tesla and Bitcoin this week? Well, first, in case you don't know, Bitcoin is a digital currency, right? It's not, it's, uh, there's fiat currency, which is what we're used to, right? That's the US dollar bill. That's the euro. That's whatever in your country you're in, you're, there's money and you use that to ex in exchange for goods. And uh, you could go back. I think that the story of Bitcoin is pretty interesting because you go back, there's precursors to Bitcoins. I think as early as the late 1990, early 1990, something like that, there were people talking and writing papers about wouldn't it be cool if there was this digital currency that kind of crossed all borders, reduced friction, and was basically, you know, uh, pretend that the world is all one. Kind of like what the, the individual currencies kind of disappeared a little bit when the euro kind of bonded them all together, right? So, I mean, you still have those currencies, but the euro could be used across every single border. And the cool concept was in a technological world that's going to get bigger and bigger and more united and borders are going to fall apart, da, da, da having some sort of currency like um, that can be tracked digitally and controlled digitally and protected um, might be valuable. And sure enough, you know, that's kind of the argument that we've seen play out. Bitcoin getting um, launched, I think in 2010 or something like that. So it's about 10 years old, something like that. Yep. Um, and, um, you know, that's been the argument all along is, you know, initially it was kind of shady, you know, oh, this is a way for me to anonymously exchange, you know, for illicit activity or something, right? Um, it's it's moved much more mainstream as one would expect to do as again people have gotten more and more uh, technologically savvy and started to kind of connect dots and say to themselves well maybe there is something that'd be more beneficial to have this kind of currency that I can use that's not really a currency that's not gonna it's gonna be different it's gonna insulate me against maybe um, individual country risk economic risk the dollar US dollar moving up you know some sort of a different um, medium. Um, people have oftentimes compared it to uh, gold as a, as a storehouse of value, if you will. I mean, the argument being that, you know, yes, gold isn't really exchanged, but theoretically there's a value which, a, a, you know, attached to it that you could take a gold bar and someone would give you something in return for that gold bar, right? So, I mean, it's similar, similarly, if you had this Bitcoin, as long as someone is willing to give you something in exchange for that Bitcoin, right? So I don't currently own Bitcoin. Um, and a lot of people have been very, you know, reluctant to step into this. It's probably the gray hair on my head. I continue to look at it and say, but yeah, but how do you value it? How do you, how do you, you know, what is it really worth? I mean, what happens if everybody all of a sudden decides they don't like Bitcoin, but they like Ethereum or they like, you know, one of these other digital coins or whatever. I mean, it just seems like another market with a lot of participants where Bitcoin is the leading participant in it. That's the way it kind of looked to me for a long time as I've put more and more thought into it. And of course, you got to listen to price. I always listen to price. You know, Bitcoin keeps going up and it keeps getting more validity because more and more people are 
moving to it as a platform for, you know, for those reasons. So like the, the decision by Tesla really was a turning point for me. Yep. Because I looked at it then and I said, okay, if companies are going to get on board and believe in this as a viable um, platform for investments, because remember, big companies sit on a lot of money for a lot of different reasons and they've got cash flowing in and flowing out and they've balanced cash on their balance sheet. Well, that cash is earning relatively zero right now, right? So they invest some portion of that in usually in short-term securities and that type of thing um, to kind of give themselves a little bit of a return. And of course, Apple, you know, has probably that that's the Goliath, right? With so much money on their books um, that they can do something with, right? And um, so I, I looked at this and I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, Tesla's decision to do that really, I think does provide a level of validity, easy for me to say, um, to, to, the to Bitcoin and to digital currency. Um, I, I think that it's still, you know, it's a nascent market. Uh, people will look at it and say, well, it's gone from 3,000 to 40,000. But you really can't look at it that way. You have to look at it in the same thing with stocks, right? Same way you look at stocks. You don't care if a stock's doubled from three to six, right? You know, imagine if you gave up on GameStop, just an example at six. Hey, I doubled my money, right? And then it went to 400, right? I mean, you can't really look at it as if the price performance in the past is the only price performance there's going to be. Many people like me who have accounts of, of a decent size still don't own Bitcoin, right? And that's, so you have to look at it as being what percentage of the market share of investment dollars has Bitcoin uh, achieved? Kind of like when you're looking at Tesla and you're saying what percentage of cars on the road are electric vehicles, right? right? So you're saying to yourself, well, what's that addressable market, right? And if the addressable market is some percentage of everybody's assets, what percentage of those assets has Bitcoin achieved? It's a very minuscule, arguably, I think, a very minuscule number. Um, and it could get obviously much larger if other people follow in Tesla's footsteps. Yeah, I think that there's, a, there's definitely a, a barrier to entry for, uh, for, for, frankly, older folks, people older than myself, we'll say, uh, because it's it's a lot for it's it's a lot for somebody for a novice to wrap their head around the whole concept of blockchain i don't even understand it and i think there's there's still a really strong case against investing in in crypto and frankly against the whole future of crypto why are you going to want to use a currency that fluctuates 10 or 20% in a day like that's not that's not stable. That's that's a that's a that's a gamble at that point. You're just you're just gambling. It's like it's the same thing as like buying GameStop or you know AMC theaters. So yes, yeah, the greater I, greater fool theory is what you're worried about, right? Yeah, that you're not the last fool to that you can set, can't sell to somebody else at a higher price. Right, right, exactly. So I I think that you know from from an investment standpoint. I, I'm sure that Tesla's billion or billion and a half, whatever it was, investment in Bitcoin will pay off in the long run. I'm, sh I'm sure it will. But their decision to accept Bitcoin as payment for their vehicles, I think is a little bit 
is a little bit strange and maybe I'll be, maybe I'll be laughing at myself if I go and watch this episode in another five or 10 years. But right now it seems, it seems somewhat fishy. And when you, when you first, when you first kind of got started, you had mentioned that uh, there was, <laughs> sorry, I just lost my train of thought. But anyway, point is, it's a, it's a strange play. It's definitely Elon Musk. Uh, it's, it, it has Elon's name written all over it, right? Uh, well, you know, the, the, guy, the guy who has Bitcoin in his Twitter bio. Yeah, I mean, if he, and, and that wasn't always in his Twitter bio. So, you know, one of the things that's interesting about Elon is he kind of, you know, he kind of tells you what they're doing or what they're thinking without telling you what they're doing or what they're <laughs> like, you know, making these comments. And you're like, you know, he's, I, he's been commenting for, for, for a, you know, a good solid, increasing his comments for a good solid four to six weeks. And sure enough, Tesla that apparently was in, in there buying Bitcoin in January. Um, so I, I think that uh, that was very interesting um, to, to see that happen. You know, one of the things I think you, you touched on was there's a complexity to getting started in Bitcoin. Absolutely. Because right? it's not like you have a, you, your regular brokerage account. You can't just go in and buy cryptocurrency. I mean, one of the right. reasons the barriers to entering is same. We can talk about marijuana at some point too today. Uh, one of the things that has been a barrier to entry is that because of rules, laws, regulations, um, a lot of these custodians and a lot of these brokerages and a lot of these banks don't want anything to do with this stuff. Uh, and as a result, they're saying, nope, not here. <laughs> you can't do it here. Um, so, I mean, you can, if you, I think you can, you can, there's backdoor ways you can do it. You could buy the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which I think the symbol there is GBTC. Uh, as kind of a backdoor way to do it. I mean, it's kind of, think of it like an, ex I guess the best way to think of it is kind of like an exchange traded fund that uses pools together people's money and then invests in underlying Bitcoin. Yeah, like, like GLD or SLV. SLV, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you're, to, so maybe, but it, just like SLV and, and, and GLD, you don't own that real asset. Right. You own the shares and the ETF and everything goes south. No one's going to take those ETF shares from you it's not like having a gold bar in your hand so the argument then would be no if you're if you're buying it as a speculative piece of your portfolio and honestly in any of these things i mean my rule is for entry is three percent of my portfolio for a new position so that's you know you really shouldn't have more than than three to five percent in something like this for the reasons you outline what happens if this thing goes down to ten thousand what happens if it goes up to a hundred thousand you make money great Yay! goes down to ten thousand you know if you put all your life savings into it you can have a real problem on your hands right so you never want to invest more than you can risk losing or not having access to when you need it right so that's something you can mind but there are these other platforms if you don't want to buy uh, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, GBTC. There's other platforms that you can take a look at that are established themselves. Coinbase, I think you had mentioned prior to the show, is the one you use. And I yep. think I read today that they're planning on, on IPOing in a direct listing at some point this That's year. That's been rumored for a while, yeah. They're, they're, I think, I assume they're the most popular platform. Um, and they, they do, they do a pretty good job. I, I opened an account with them back when that first bubble happened. What was it? 2017, I guess. Um, and you know, uh, 
aside from my stupid investment that I've made, up, that I've lost chart. a ton of money. Pull up a chart. Show. Sure. People can sure. See, see this and then, and then talk to us about your experience in opening up that Coinbase account. Sure. So um, this is, this is a, a Bitcoin chart. I just pulled this off of Yahoo Finance because unfortunately Todd's awesome charting service does not chart cryptos yet. Uh, definitely should though. Uh, so this is, you can see, this is the last three months we've gone from, gosh, a little over 15,000 up to peaked at 46,000 on Monday, uh, which is just insane. Does give off some pretty strong GameStop vibes, I must, I must admit. Um, and just going, going back to what you, what you had kind of touched on before, my biggest concern right now is that if you, if you expand this chart out, right, you, you just look at this and it's, it's borderline parabolic. And there's just, if you, if you enter it right now, there's just so much room for that to fall. And, you know, who, who knows? I'm, I'm not saying that it's going to drop down and become worthless, but you look at last March and it was down below 10,000. So I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of Wall Street bets sort of funny money in it right now. Um, it's mostly younger people who frankly don't really know what they're doing. Like when I opened up my Coinbase account when I was 18, um, very, very similar people who are really just suffering from FOMO. And you wanted me to kind of touch on my experience with Coinbase. And that is, that is literally the only reason why I opened a Coinbase account is because, because of FOMO. So expanding this out, um, also, just just a side note, I was not investing in Bitcoin. I was I was investing in a different coin called Litecoin, um, which is a similar uh, similar platform to Bitcoin. Their prices are very tethered to one another, um, and it's it's essentially just like a it's a a cheaper version of almost the same thing. So this is 2017, and yeah, I'll I'll admit it. I bought right about there. Uh, <laughs> so it's been, it's been a rough few years. Um, I'll probably, I'll probably exit out of it and potentially even close out that account in the next couple months, depending on what happens. So yeah, so, that's, so, yeah, that's I mean, Bitcoin. looking at that, um, chart and just thinking a little bit out loud here. So first off, uh, was the process pretty sim seamless for opening up at Coinbase? Oh, it's, it's very easy. It's like, it's just like opening an account with any online brokerage. These Similar days. to like a Robinhood. Yeah. Even like, even when I open my, my account of Fidelity, it takes like five minutes. It's, it's so easy. Um, I, I remember there was some sort of identity verification. I don't remember if it was like social security number or something, but it's, it's pretty secure. It's not sketchy. Um, the app is very, it's very sleek. They put a lot of work into the app. Um, but yeah, and, it's, yeah, I mean, in this day and age, right. I mean, user experience is important. I imagine most of yeah. these, I, I was looking at some, some, some great feedback yesterday on my Twitter at EB capital. I was asking the question, where do people, 
do their trading in, um, I got a lot of great responses. It was interesting. Um, shout out to Mark Fitzgerald, who was one of the ones who engaged with me on, on Twitter and, and shared with me some thoughts. And, you know, he was, he was talking about the different platforms that he's used. Um, there, there are expensive relative to what you might be used to in buying individual stocks. Um, I think that, you know, just on a couple grand would be like a $30 cost if you were on Coinbase. Uh, Binance, which is another one that he had mentioned that I wasn't familiar with before. It seemed to be the, the lower cost alternative. There are some exchanges that let you earn interest by lending out your crypto as well, which is kind of an interesting developing um, market opportunity. I mean, it's like, okay, so I buy some fractional amount. Cause I mean, people, like for most people, you're not going to buy a full Bitcoin, right? So you buy a right. fractional amount of Bitcoin, right? And then theoretically you could lend that Bitcoin out and earn a return on it. Uh, I imagine that creates some risk on its own, but it also probably offsets a little bit of risk on its own too. So, I mean, it's like anything else, right? It's speculative. So, I mean, you have two different ways that you can approach it. You can say, okay, well, this is like the gold bar that I'm sticking underneath my, um, underneath my, my, my bedroom floor uh, for a worst case scenario. And I'll own a little Bitcoin as a worst case scenario and I'll just sit on it and whatever happens with it happens with it. Again, making sure not to invest any more than I can afford to lose on it. And then there's probably that other point <clears throat> that you were making earlier where it's the speculative trading kind of frenzy where you say to yourself, okay, well, <clears throat> there's some FOMO going here. Maybe I wait. You know, in the chart that you had had up earlier showed so pretty good support around 40,000. That's probably where I would enter. Yep. If we got down, <clears throat> contracting, excuse me, to about that 40,000, I would probably take a little bit just to see if it held or not. And then with some risk control discipline, I would probably exit out of it if it got below X number. I'd have to see what kind of costs I got on it. And, you know, again, I'm not going to be putting a lot of money into it. It's just going to be one of those things I'm going to deep dip my toes into. Um, but I, I, you know, I think that those are the two different ways to approach it. And then just recognize the other part of it is where do you store it? Right? Yeah. So on Coinbase, Joe, I'm assuming you're just leaving it in Coinbase. Yep. It just, it just stays there. It's, it's just a, it's, just like a brokerage account for cryptos. Yeah, so it's just, so you can do it just like that. Um, but you know, some people on Twitter responded back to me and were like, "Yeah, that's risky because what happens if the, you know, this counterparty risk, right? What happens if uh, X Y Z exchange goes under? They're the ones that have the keys to your Bitcoin. So you know, do you really trust them to be able to?" To, to stay in business, right? So, I mean, you, yeah. you have to consider that too. There is a way to open a separate vault that theoretically you can buy on exchange and transfer to a vault. There are some custody costs associated with holding it at those vaults. Um, so there's a lot of different moving pieces to it. And I think from my perspective, uh, wanting to just kind of dip my toes in and get familiar with it, I would probably just do the simpler route, which is just trust that the exchanges are gonna be around. Um, it may turn out that a better investment opportunity isn't the um, Bitcoin or the coins or the alt any of these altcoins that exist. It may be that you want to, like many things, look at the picks and shovels place. You know, so maybe you're looking at NVIDIA and saying, well, demand for their chips is increasing because more and more servers are out there mining for these coins, right? So you might want to take a look at kind of like what other companies or stocks benefit from uh, potential in increasing interest within within Bitcoin. So that would be yeah. one. If Coinbase obviously does come public through the direct listing, maybe that's another one that you'd want to consider. Definitely uh, worth a look at least. 
Yeah, and then again, going back to the original with the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, the GBTC, that might be another way to, to consider doing it too. But to your point, um, it does seem to be that there's a little bit of, that's the latest thing that Wall Street Bets has been focusing on that, and maybe marijuana stocks. <laughs>